1: it is hump day today it is wednesday it kind of feels like friday i don't know why it feels like i've already been here for for four days but happy wednesday nonetheless uh thank you so much for joining us appreciate all of you being with us and we got another big show lined up for you today with some great guests and uh you know this is the only show not just in las vegas but across the country where we do just about everything from politics to sports entertainment pop culture we do it all on this show just for all of you, because we love you so much and uh, give you a quick rundown on what we're going to do, uh, what we're going to be doing today. Former presidential candidate. He also ran for mayor of New York City. You know this guy. He's starting his own party called the Forward Party, an independent in the middle party, as he describes it. Andrew Yang, former presidential candidate, will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. A lot of controversy in the NBA, and I haven't really talked a lot of NBA on this show, but uh we've heard of the term Hack-A-Shack. Well, it was Hack-A-Drummond last night with the Celtics up 20. Why? Because the NBA midseason tournament, which will be here in Las Vegas. Yes, I will be sitting courtside for that with Vivica A. Fox. I had to... uh Throw that one in there as well and name drop because I'm such a name dropper. But uh, in all seriousness, the Celtics were following Andre Drummond in the fourth quarter up 20 points. Why were they doing that? Because they needed to win by 24 based on the seedings. And there's a lot of people on the Chicago Bulls that didn't like that, including their head coach. Uh, Former NBA veteran and former coach Paul McCaskey will be joining us in studio to get his thoughts on that in the NBA midseason tournament and how the Golden State Warriors just completely choked last night uh we'll get into all that a lot of stuff to get to as far as the nba is concerned okay so you may or may not know that defense officials have been accusing Republican Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville of jeopardizing America's national security now i would tend to agree with that statement tuberville has brushed off the criticism and he's vowed he will not give in and now we're learning that tommy tuberville is calling our military weak and attacking our military in an interview with cnn
2: well as you just said eric 114 million dollars on diversity training you got to be kidding me you know we've got the weakest uh, military that we've had in probably a year and my lifetime now we've got a lot of good military people but uh infiltrating our military is all this wokeness and it's coming from the top coming from joe biden coming from Secretary of Defense Austin. It's coming from uh, Milley, uh, who is uh, recently gone. But it's a design. Okay.
1: So that was my mistake. I gave you the wrong, uh, the wrong clip there to start. Uh, so let me just uh, recharge or restart what I just said, because I think this is very, very important. Tommy Tuberville is a Republican senator out of Alabama. Defense officials across the country have accused him of jeopardizing America's national security with his hold on roughly 300 military promotions, raising the stakes in a clash over abortion policy that shows no signs of easing up anytime soon. Now, Tommy Tuberville is brushing off the criticism and he's making the rounds on Fox News. Here's what he had
2: to say about this issue. Well, as you just said, Eric, $114 million on diversity training. you got to be kidding me. You know, we've got the weakest uh, military that we've had in probably your year in my lifetime. Now, we've got a lot of good military people, but uh, infiltrating our military is all this wokeness. And it's coming from the top, coming from Joe Biden, coming from Secretary of Defense Austin. It's coming from uh, Milley, uh, who is uh, recently gone. But it's a disaster.
1: So he's saying it's a disaster. He's calling our military weak. What if you're one of those brave men and women in uniform risking your life for this country and you hear this bozo right wing clown buffoon in Tuberville who's not letting some of you get the promotions that you absolutely deserve because of his opinions on abortion and he's calling you weak. How dare you? How dare you make statements like that? It's ridiculous. It's absurd. And now he's doubling down on that. And he's making the situation even worse for himself.
2: I've talked to admirals and generals. I've had people call me. Now, I have had people call me over holidays saying, keep doing what you're doing. We're not having any problem. Uh, what are those people? Well, there's, there are people that, that are in the military. Uh, I wouldn't throw anybody underneath the bus. But, uh, you can't name names? No, I'm not going to name anybody. But it's, <laughs> it's good to hear from people that are actually doing what they're doing.
1: Is there anybody on this planet that believes Tommy Tuberville? When he says that he's spoken to brave men and women in uniform and they say, keep doing what you're doing. And don't you find it very interesting that Manu Raju, who's a really good reporter, says you can't name names when he claims that he's spoken to these generals and these brave men and women in uniform that say, keep doing what you're doing. And how convenient that Tommy Tuberville won't mention any names because Tommy Tuberville is a liar. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a liar. And then there's the story. You might have heard this, General Eric Smith, a brave man who suffered a heart attack having to work two jobs because he didn't get the promotion that he was supposed to get because Tommy Tuberville blocked it. Tuberville blocked these type of military promotions. This general suffered a heart attack. Luckily, he's going to make it. And Tuberville seems to be doing the bidding for America's adversaries. You can call this what it is, but an intentional attack on our armed forces to sabotage our own national security, to me, is exactly what Tommy Tuberville is doing. And then when he was asked about this and asked about those 300 or so military promotions that he himself has blocked, he started to talk about how back in the day, he had to work 18 to t- 20 hours a week.
2: Have a listen to this. Come on, give me a break. This guy's going to work 18, 20 hours a day no matter what. That's what we do. You know, I did that for years because you got to get the job done and you take it. You try to do everything yourself. So uh, we're not going to go down that road.
1: We're not going to go down that road. Oh, yes, we are. Tommy Tuberville, when were you working 18 to 20 hours a week when you were a football coach? What the hell is Tommy Tuberville talking about? He's a liar. He's a turd, and even there are even many Republicans in office today. don't agree with what he is doing. Because Tommy Tuberville has an issue with abortion, he's going to block some of the finest Americans, those who risk their life for this country, so that Tommy Tuberville can be an acting idiot, is what I would like to call him. He's a senator, he's also an idiot. And now he wants to block all these military promotions, and he has. Hopefully, this will be coming to an end soon. Now, do I know for sure that General Eric Smith had a heart attack directly because of Tommy Tuberville? No, I don't. Can I say that there's probably a good chance that because this guy had to work a second job and maybe he was being overworked? Working 18 to 20 hours a week, which, by the way, nobody should ever have to work to make a living in this country, especially if you're willing to risk your life for this country, our brave men and women in uniform. And the fact that Tuberville can't even own that and he tries to compare and say in his own words that at one point he was working 18 to 20 hours a day as a college football coach. Are you freaking kidding me? Tommy Tuberville is a liar and he's despicable. He is despicable. It's another classic Washington standoff by a right-wing buffoon. I don't even think Tommy Tuberville is smart enough to even understand what he is doing and the repercussions of what he is doing. Not a very bright guy. He's placing the lives of service members effectively on hold. That's really what he's doing. Let's call it for what it is. As they await, what has traditionally been routine Senate approval for their promotions. But he's totally okay with putting all these service members' lives on hold. These brave men and women have decided to put it all on the line. They risk their lives every day for this country so that idiots like Tommy Tuberville could have a job, so that I can talk on the radio every day, So that we have the freedoms to do what we want in this country. And because of Tuberville and his personal opinions when it comes to abortion and other issues, he's letting that get in the way of providing the benefits and the promotions that these service members absolutely deserve. What would you say about a sitting senator like that? How could you vote for somebody like that? Here's a shocker, ladies and gentlemen. He's a Republican. You see Democrats doing these types of stunts that are saying, hey, I don't agree with this policy, so I'm going to hurt our brave men and women in uniform. I have no problem in doing that because I believe in what I believe and I'm going to jeopardize America's national security because of my own personal beliefs. Have you seen any Democrats doing that lately? No. Why is it always Republicans? Why? Tommy Tuberville is a despicable human being. Tommy Tuberville is a national disgrace. Tommy Tuberville should be outed out of office. He's no better than George Santos is of the world, who eventually will be outed after, you know, all this has taken place. You know, Republicans are finally putting their foot down. What about Tommy Tuberville? Think about that for a moment. I would imagine. Some of you out there that voted for Tommy Tuberville, that support the Republican base and the MAGA Republicans, serve this country honorably. How could you vote for somebody like that? How? You certainly have the right to in this country. I'm just asking the question, how? Taking the necessary benefits and promotions away from hundreds of brave men and women in uniform because of your personal beliefs in Tommy Tuberville, how can you vote for somebody like that? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't understand it. And while all this stuff is going on in the world, former Representative Liz Cheney is painting a scathing portrait of what is most of the Republican Party today. She's condemning many of her former colleagues and party leaders And in her new book, she's calling them enablers and collaborators who, after the 2020 election, were willing, quote, to violate their oath to the Constitution out of political expediency and loyalty to Donald Trump. And uh, Liz Cheney delivers a particularly devastating takedown of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. I mean, she says she didn't even believe the picture when she heard that Kevin McCarthy went to Mar-a-Lago just days after the January 6th insurrection. And this is important because apparently Kevin McCarthy was speaking a very different tone hours and the days after January 6th, uh, saying that Donald Trump bared responsibility, or at least partial responsibility For what took place on January 6th, CNN got a a copy of this and we heard a little a a few excerpts from reporter uh, talking about this. Have a listen. And
0: she writes, get ready, Cheney, Mar-a-Lago. What the hell, Kevin? Kevin McCarthy. They're really worried. Trump's not eating. So they asked me to come see him. Cheney, what? You went to Mar-a-Lago because Trump's not eating? McCarthy, yeah, he's really depressed. She wrote it and she ran. It
1: really is unreal. It, it's really incredible on a number of different fronts. Here you have the orange turd, Donald Trump, who incited an insurrection. I think most people would agree with that statement. And then you have Kevin McCarthy, who just hours after calling out Donald Trump, saying that he bared some responsibility for what took place on January 6th, going to Mar-a-Lago. And when Liz Cheney asked him, why did you go to Mar-a-Lago? You went to Mar-a-Lago. Why? Oh, because Donald Trump's not eating. First of all, have you looked at Donald Trump? Has he gone a day without eating? I don't buy that for a minute. And number two, I think, you know, and I know Donald Trump wanted people to feel sorry for him he wanted the republican base to feel sorry for him so kevin mccarthy being the brown noser that he is goes out there to mar-a-lago kisses the ring of donald trump and people like just liz cheney are like well what the f what why would you go out there you were just saying that donald trump bared responsibility for an insurrection you all saw what happened people died that day and then mccarthy goes to mar-a-lago kissing the ring of donald trump So I can understand that because Trump was depressed and not eating. Does anybody really believe that? Does anybody really believe that the narcissist Donald Trump after January 6th was depressed and he wasn't eating? I'm not buying that for a second. But apparently Kevin McCarthy did, or at least he used that as an excuse to go to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring of the president. Again, I'm not buying it for a second. This is where the Republican Party is at right now. And it's where it's been at for the most part since Donald Trump took office. And now we have a debate tomorrow. Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis will be debating tomorrow night. And of all people, Sean Hannity will be the moderator. I don't think you could find a worse moderator than Sean Hannity because he's beyond biased. So why, why are they having this debate? Why is this taking place? Well, for once, Gavin Newsom called out Ron DeSantis and challenged him, and DeSantis accepted the challenge. There are a lot of people on social media today, yesterday, the last several days, on the far right that are attacking Gavin Newsom. If you recall, Gavin Newsom at one point was married to Kimberly Guilfoyle. And during that marriage, it's my understanding that Gavin Newsom had an affair with an acquaintance. And there are a lot of people on the right that are attacking Gavin Newsom, saying he doesn't have any moral compass because he cheated on his wife. I find this to be laughable. Listen, I don't condone anybody cheating on anybody. I don't condone that. If Gavin Newsom did do that, which he did because he owned it, I don't condone that behavior at all. But don't you find it very interesting that the same people that are going after Gavin Newsom are also the same people, many of them, who supported and still support Donald Trump? A man who's probably cheated on all of his wives in every single one of his rooms in the Trump Tower here in Las Vegas. A man who has kids with multiple ex-wives who had unprotected sex with Stormy Daniels right after Melania Trump had had Barron. And these are the same people that are going to talk about moral compass. These are the same people that are going to talk about Gavin Newsom having an affair. Now they're trying to do this because they're trying to discredit Gavin Newsom because I think some of them are in fear that maybe Gavin Newsom is the guy that's going to step in and run for president of the United States. And maybe Joe Biden will step out of this thing. Now I don't know if that's going to happen. It very well could happen. I don't know. Here's what I do know. You can say what you want about Gavin Newsom, but there is no comparison between moral compasses with Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump. There's none. Zero. Don't talk to me about a politician that's had an affair when you support somebody who's a liable rapist. I don't want to hear it. Open up the phone lines now. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, the number to call 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, now's the time to give me a buzz. That number is area code 702-221-SAVE, 702-221-7283. We do have the former presidential Candidate Andrew Yang joining us on the show coming up here at the bottom of the hour. He's starting a new party. It is an independent party. Um, and it's interesting because I'm going to ask him if if he if he didn't win um, or I should say if he did win as a Democrat, would he still be running for office? I don't know. Or would would he still be starting this party? I don't know. I really don't. Again, that number to call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283 is the number to call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation. All right, so we're going to get to our phone lines now. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, now's the time to do so. Let's start off with Joey on Pushing Limits. Hello, Joey. What's going on?
3: Hey, so you're asking how we uh, feel about supporting all these other people. What about the people that support registered sex offenders how do you feel about those people
1: people who support registered uh sex offenders who would that registered sex offender be your buddy anthony weiner okay so let me respond by saying okay can i answer your question you want to talk about morals yeah let's talk about it okay can can i answer your question anthony weiner joined my show multiple times he's not my buddy i've never hung out with him he was a guest on my show if oj simpson called me tomorrow and said he wanted to come on the show, and I, by the way, I believe O.J. Simpson's a double murderer, I would have him come on my show. So let me be very clear. Anthony Weiner is not my buddy, so you are factually incorrect. By your standards, any radio program or any TV show that has somebody come on as a guest must be their buddy. Is that how you characterize radio shows, sir? Because Anthony Weiner's not my buddy.
4: So you've never called him your good friend?
1: Anthony Weiner is not my good friend. I've never called him my good friend.
5: Have you ever called? Oh, you've never called him your good friend? No, no, I never have. No, I never have. You can can go ahead and try to find that.
1: Okay. Oh, that's it? That's all you have to add to the show? What a frickin' bozo moron you are. What a coward, too. You hang up the phone. No, I've never called Anthony Weiner my good friend, you stupid idiot. See, that's what these MAGA Republicans do. They try to catch you in a corner, and when I prove that they're a-holes and they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about, they hang up the phone like the little little coward that Joey is. Do you support uh, sex offenders? Are they your friend? Hey, dumbass, the guy's been on my show a couple times. I actually think he's a pretty smart guy, but he's not my good friend, and he's not my friend. He was a guest on the show, you turd. Boy, some of these people that come to the show are so stupid. It's just unbelievable. Nice call, Joey. Really nicely done. By the way, but this is probably the same maggot idiot who votes for Donald Trump and continues to support Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump your buddy, your pal? He's a liable rapist. Is he your pal, Joey? Nice job, dude, hanging up the phone when I prove that you're a complete imbecile. Nice job, you coward. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. According to Joey's standards, any radio show or TV show that has a guest on must be their pal, their good buddy, or their good friend, which, by the way, I've never said. I've never said that Anthony Weiner is my good friend. Uh, again, another lie by this turd who calls into the show and has no idea what he's talking about. Nice job trying to put me in a corner. It didn't work, bro. You're the one who hung up the phone. Nice job. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Again, that number, 702-221-7283. Uh, let's go to Edward. Edward is next. I hope Edward's calls better. Oh, did we lose Edward? Okay, I thought Edward was on the line. <laughs> Gosh, what a disaster. It's amazing to me that there are people in this country that think that way. It's amazing to me that there are people in this country that believe that if you have somebody on your radio program, that uh, they must be your good friend or your buddy. You know, it, again, it's just it's just pure stupidity. What can I say? 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Is this another Joey that's calling in? Joe. Okay, we have Joe next. Joe oh. Michael,
4: how you doing,
1: guys? Hi, Joe. How are you? I, I'm. I'm glad you're not the other um, Joe that just so, called in.
4: Yeah, no. He see, that that dude was a uh, that dude was a little wacky. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm actually waiting to hear what Andrew Yang has to say, um, when he comes on the air here, because I've always vehemently disagreed with him, um, on his universal basic income. In fact, I've gone as far as saying that's communist on the record and that sounds like communism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that sounds similar to what the Soviet Union used to do. Oh, we're going to, you know, just feed you and clothe you and house you and pay you because, you know, there are no jobs. Right. You know? <laughs> Right, right.
1: Well, um, here here's what I'm going to ask him. Um, and I, I don't know if there's something else that you'd want me to ask him. But what I'm going to ask him is and I'm going to ask him a lot of questions. If he won on the Democrat side, if he became the mayor or he became the president, would he still be starting this new party? That's a question that I'm going to ask him. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know what happens?
4: Yeah. Also, you made a pretty big Freudian slip earlier. What's um, What's you, I, I think you meant to say that um, when you were talking about the veteran that had the uh, heart attack because of Tommy Tuberville. Never been a fan of Tuberville, by the way. Um, but you know, when you were talking about that veteran, I believe you meant to say that nobody who served their country should ever have to work for a living in America. You said nobody should ever have to work for a living in America. Well, yeah, I was... left the comments that... up, I was just like, yeah, "Oh, that was... Brian."
6: <laughs>
1: That was definitely, that was definitely, I definitely misspoke there. Thank you for, 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 obviously, <laughs> I, I would never, I would never mean that if I said that, but sometimes on the radio when you're on the air 10 hours a day, Joe, uh, sometimes you, you misspeak yeah, yeah. No, you, at times. But uh, what do you yeah, think you, of Tommy Tuberville? He's quite
4: passionate.
1: What, thank you. What do you think of Tommy Tuberville and, um, and what he's doing blocking these, uh, these, uh, you know, promotions for these service members?
4: Well, when the came to that down in Alabama, I was always more of a Mo Brooks or Luther Strange kind of guy. Yeah. Um, you know, just because, just because I thought those two were a little bit more level headed. Yeah. I- <laughs> I don't like how these sports people run for office and then think they know what they're doing when they get there. Right. You know, right. Yeah, having having, you know, ha, having business experience or being a lawyer and then you take a job coaching a football team or something after, you know, <laughs> right, after right. you close your legal practice or something. Right. Okay then, maybe there's a maybe you have a leg to stand on there, you know, or you run a successful business for a lot of years, retire and decide, you know what, I'm going to go to I'm going to go be a college football coach so I have something to do in my retirement. You know that's a different story, of
1: but course, yeah. you know
4: these people were like, like Herschel Walker, for example, worst oh, candidate the Republicans <laughs> probably ever put up for office.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know,
4: and a te- terrible candidate. And because he's a football player, he's supposed to know what he's talking about. No, he's going to say whatever his handlers tell him to say right. when he goes out on stage. You know, you in, know, in that race, we really, really, really needed, you know. Pretty much anybody else. <laughs> no, no, listen, I'm with you, my friend. I, I,
1: I, I'm with you, and I appreciate your comments. We got Andrew Yang coming up. I'm I'm curious to know what you think of, of him and how the interview goes. My friend, Joe, I always appreciate your call, always appreciate your comments, and, and, and look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for the call, Joe. Appreciate you. All
4: right. See you later.
1: Thanks, Joe. Uh, All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang will be joining the program. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. It's Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP.
0: everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Brinkley Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super, hero that is, Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos and they can renew your adult passports traveling in a hurry they can get those passports to you within seven days or less mailbox rentals with a physical street address and they also receive your packages from amazon ups fedex usps and more here's the best part if you're a pushing the limits listener they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service you can't beat it give them a call 702-873-8005 check them out at 6130 west flamingo road it's the postal annex tell them i sent you
7: Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now... I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Gwynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311.
1: Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent on site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. traveling in a hurry they can get those passports to you within seven days or less mailbox rentals with a physical street address and they also receive your packages from amazon ups fedex usps and more here's the best part if you're a pushing the limits listener they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service you can't beat it give them a call 702-873-8005 check them out at 6130
7: west flamingo road it's the postal annex tell them i sent you Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada's ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands a community you call home. Call Blake Gwynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311.
1: All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, on this show, we speak to all sorts of different people, Republicans, Democrats, independents. Obviously, I'm one of those people. I'm an independent. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I vote for both sides. What I feel is appropriate. The guy joining us on the line right now, he's a former presidential candidate. He also ran for mayor of New York City, and he is starting and has already started his own party, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. It's called the Forward Party, and it certainly is a pleasure having us uh, on the line with us right now. uh, Andrew Yang uh, joining us. Uh, Mr. Yang, I appreciate you joining us. How are you? Hey, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see you. Okay, so I guess my first big question for you is why? Tell me a little bit about this Forward Party. Why did you start it? Where do you see it going?
8: Well, I I feel like Nevada is the best example of why I started Forward. Uh, So in 2022, you all had a ballot initiative, question three, whether to get rid of the primaries. Uh, And to me, this is vital. For our country's future, uh, the Dems came out against it. They said we like things the way they are. The Republicans came out against it, said we like the things the way they are. And Forward was founded to stand up for the average voter. I'm going to suggest Brian, you're an independent, so you probably dug the the idea of getting rid of primaries, right? Uh, Where we're standing for the average, uh, reasonable voter who's on the outside looking into the system right now. So that's why we started Forward. We're thrilled that. Nevadans voted for question 3 voted yes uh and it's not done yet cuz it's coming back to your ballot box in 24.
1: So if somebody asked you Andrew if you won the presidency or if you won the mayoral race in New York City, would you still have started this party or to this day would you still be a democrat? What would you say?
8: Uh it's a great question Brian. So here was the order of operations. Check it out. I run for president as a democrat in 2020. Uh, I come off the trail and I have the sinking feeling that we're still adrift or heading in a terrible direction. Uh, and so during 2020, I dug into a bunch of facts and figures, some of which you know very well. Uh, like Congress has a 15% approval rating, but a 94% reelect rate because of, uh, gerrymandering uh, and other things. And I concluded that we needed a new party. Uh, so running for mayor, was a way I could have my cake and eat it too, because I'd already written the book. And if I had become mayor of New York City, I was going to declare myself an independent mayor and say, hey, guess what? The mayor of the biggest city in the country is uh, now forward, thus planting the flag for the party. Um, Now that this would have had its pluses and minuses, number one, uh, you know, hard to ignore the mayor of the biggest city. Um, But Uh on the flip side, I would have been completely consumed with the issues of New York City. Uh, and so the forward party in other environments would have to figure it out, <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> honestly. Right. Um, but, but I, I came to the conclusion in 2020 that our current system is not working. Uh, and if you review the timeline of things, uh, I'd already written the manuscript, um, by the time I lost the mayoral, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so win or lose, I was going to kick off the forward party. Understood. Now, I'm sure you've been asked this question
1: before, but I'll ask it. Uh, if someone approaches you and says, well, wait a second, this sort of thing was was tried before. Look at Ross Perot. Look at what happened with Ralph Nader. What would be your response to that for people that, are, you know, speculate that, hey, I don't think this is going to work because it's it,
8: it's been tried in the past. Oh, Brian, I love this question. So check <laughs> it out. Uh, let's say you wanted to start a new party. And I'm sure that you as an independent or people listening to this have had this thought been like, hey, shouldn't there be another party? Um now what are the real life obstacles? It turns out that if you want to start a party you have to start 51 different organizations. Uh one national and then one in every state. So if you look at the Ford Party of Nevada, it's some great people, uh Cesar Marquez uh, mm-hmm. less and Antona, but you know some people you, not, you and I know. Sure. Uh um but you have to go through all these logistical hurdles. Uh you have to incorporate you have to try and be recognized as a party which means different things in different states uh and even if you succeed the current parties will just change the rules on you honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of their move right um so uh so when someone says hey it can't be done you'd be like well actually here are all the steps you would need to take is it difficult and cumbersome yes does it require resources and lawyers yes right but is it doable sure uh you know and and Um, Any movement like this is going to have um, asymmetric opportunities, shall we say, where if you look at it, you could be going slow, 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 and then fast because someone decides to run for a statewide Mm -hmm. office uh, in a particular state or um, on the extreme end, someone runs for the White House. Sure. So you reference Nader and Perot. So Perot got 19% in 1992. When 25% of Americans said they were independents, right. today that number is 49%. So mm-hmm. you're in very good company, Brian. Uh, and two-thirds of Americans or more say they want a new party and that our current system's not working.
1: I didn't know it was that high. Wow, 49% is extremely high. If you're just joining us, he's former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, uh, his new forward party, an independent party. Okay, so I only speak for myself here, Andrew, when I say, yes, I'm an independent I know you and I agree we do not want Donald Trump to be in office, and we both don't want Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. That's most of the country, by the way. But when I hear about an independent party – and I like the idea of it. Don't get me wrong. We agree on a lot politically, you and I. But when I hear about an independent party, I get a little worried. And here's why I get a little worried, and I think you know what I'm going to say – I don't want to help Donald Trump become the next president of the United States. I will vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. I would imagine if it was between those two, and you could answer for yourself, but you would probably do the same. And the worry that I have is, is this going to take away from votes for Joe Biden? What would be your response to that?
8: Well, that's one reason why you're not having a conversation with current presidential candidate Andrew Yang, because if I were to run on an independent ticket, I would probably strengthen the person who's most unlike me. Um, the, the, the fact is, Brian, when someone asks me, hey, how can you make sure Trump doesn't win? I tell them, you should run the most rancid, uh, racist, white supremacist type you can find who will take two or three points away from Trump, Or right. it's like, Tr- Trump not racist enough for you, check out this guy. <laughs> I mean that That would actually be smart. Now, no one wants to touch that with a 10 foot pole. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I get that. Um, so the, our, our current broken system makes it so that, uh, you don't want another sane person to run. I consider myself sane, so <laughs> I'm not running. Yes. Um, so, but the, the Ford party has plans to help in 24. Uh, we want to, uh, enlist and boost hundreds of moderate local candidates in Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, and around the country with the idea being that if you had a 100 school board or city council or town supervisor candidates running, then they might get 20, 30 extra voters uh, each, which yeah. might boost the non-Trump turnout by, let's call it 10 to 20,000 uh, in your five or six swing states. And maybe that's the difference maker. Um, one of the dirty secrets of the current two-party system, Brian, is that uh, neither party really cares about contesting the other party's turf. If you go to rural Nevada, you're not going to see lots of Democrats running (laughs) (laughs) in a deep red district, Um, in in part because the parties are financial operations, and they're like, why are we going to waste money? Um, So so nationwide, 70% or so of offices are uncontested or uncompetitive. Um, So if you want to help things, what you want to do is create competition in more places. I want to ask you
1: about somebody that calls himself now a fellow independent, which is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I could tell you I wouldn't vote for him, even though I agree with him probably on 90% of what he believes in. I don't like his conspiracy theories with the vaccines. I don't like some of his statements he's made about Ukraine, and I just spoke with him a few weeks ago. What do you make of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and is he a guy that you would want to accept in your forward party, and have you talked to him about that?
8: Uh, There are people... Uh, who are very excited about RFK's message. I think he's a a very uh, compelling messenger. Um, uh, What's interesting is that his run uh, seems to actually help Biden and hurt Trump uh, because of the nature of RFK's Mm. appeal, according to polls that I've seen. Uh, So I don't know RFK well enough to have an opinion as to – You know, like, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are supporting him, but, uh, like I haven't spent enough time with him to have a judgment. Um, in that regard, I will say that the major opportunity that most people are missing in this race, uh, is Dean Phillips challenging Joe Biden in the Democratic primary. Um, if your goal is to defeat Donald Trump, I don't think you want Joe Biden as your candidate. Uh, You know, Joe Biden's losing in five of the six swing states. Joe Biden's going to be 82 years old in 2024. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Biden's old and unpopular. Those are two adjectives that are accurate.
1: (laughs) Well, let me ask you that. I agree with you, Andrew. Listen, I agree with everything you just said. But with that being said, in the next year or so. How do you, how do you see this thing playing out? You've been doing this for a while now. You, you, you're pretty juiced into what's going on here. Do you sure. think that Joe Biden is going to back out? And it could be a guy like a Gavin Newsom, who, by the way, has a debate, as you know, with Ron DeSantis tomorrow night. Or do you see this being Joe Biden, you know, you know, stubborn, I guess is the word that I would use because a lot of Democrats don't want him to run for office again because of his age, not because I think he's a bad guy. Uh, he's, like you said, he's just a little bit too old. How do you see this thing playing out over the next year? And do you think you can see somebody like Gavin Newsom jumping in there?
8: Okay, here's the inside scoop as I hear it, Brian. Uh, The stuff we're hearing is that it is sincere that Joe wants to run, is running. Jill wants him to run, is running. There are a bunch of people one level out that are nervous, very, very nervous. Um, But it's Joe, Jill, and Joe appointed the head of the DNC, Jamie Harrison. Uh, So as long as that uh triad is uh you know directed towards the campaign um nothing changes um now in that environment the question is can you actually show him the light or uh compete him to a uh, compete with him to a point where he says you know what i'm going to go out like a george washington style statesman and not lose uh or even compete in this party's primary so if you set up the primary um, to try and minimize competition. And then he's gone to the G- Gavin Newsom's and Gretchen Whitmer's and said, do not run, wait until 2028. Everyone has stood down, except for Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips is the only hmm. guy with a backbone, honestly, who is like, fuck you guys. Like, like I, I'd rather run and risk my career than just give the country to Trump, which is what I think is going to happen if Joe Biden's the nominee. So let's say Dean Phillips puts up a big number, even beats Joe Biden in New Hampshire, which I think is very possible, given that the state has rejected joe biden three times and that was before he demoted them for south carolina right so on january 23rd of next year if dean phillips upsets joe biden i think that that creates an environment where joe biden looks around and says you know what i am gonna uh, go go out uh and, and this has happened in in uh in the past where lyndon johnson uh only beat I think it was Mc- McCarthy by seven points in New Hampshire, and it was humiliating enough where he said, fuck it. Like, I, I don't want to be the incumbent who loses the primary to the upstart. Uh, but the reality is a majority of Democratic voters aren't comfortable with Joe being the nominee. If, so if Dean Phillips becomes a thing, mm-hmm. this all can happen.
1: If that does happen, can you see somebody like Gavin Newsom uh, stepping in?
8: Oh, totally. And so this is one of the, the disgusting things about what's going on right now, Brian. Check it out. The DNC is essentially a clutch of X hundred very, very senior party officials. They've been told by Joe Biden, stay in line. They're like, sure, we're cowards. We're going to stay in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dean Phillips is like, Hey guys, this is dumb. Um, so we're, we're, I'm going to challenge you. Now the, the, this clutch does not want to reward the Dean Phillips because he went against the club by running. Um, so this crowd is going to want to give it to Newsom or Whitmer. Um, now, uh, you're going to wind up with, in my opinion, some very, very strange convention dynamics at play. And then the question is, in my mind, does Dean Phillips create a big enough wave, uh, and have the resources where everyone shrugs and says, look, at this point, Dean Phillips is beating Trump by six or eight points. So he, and he's 54 years old. And, you know, at this point has been somewhat tested and vetted. But let, let's give it to him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right now, natively, this clutch of DNC insiders is thinking Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer... Uh uh, Raphael Warnock, like figures like that. Gotcha. All
1: right. So you know what it takes to be on a presidential debate stage. You've done it. You, you, you've been through it before. So with that being said, I want to ask you this, is there anybody on the debate stage you've seen in these three Republican debates that you were impressed with that you could say, Hmm, I could maybe see myself voting for so-and-so who have you been impressed with? If anybody at all, in these first Republican presidential debates.
8: You know my my two favorite candidates in that field are Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. I think they're both uh rational, principled, would not destroy the the, the you know, uh <laughs> destroy the institutions of American democracy. So, uh I and by the way, I think Nikki Haley in particular would beat Joe Biden handily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, I mean, you have both major parties anchored to these really, really unpopular candidates. Uh, whichever party managed to break free of that wins. Um, So, and there are a lot of folks I know who are trying to pile in behind Nikki Haley. Uh, It's TBD, whether it's going to be enough to upset Trump that the, the, so here's, what's going to happen. Probably. Uh, You have four other candidates in the race. Meaningfully. Uh, So it's DeSantis, Vivek, uh, Nikki and Mm Christie. No one's dropping out before Iowa. Um, DeSantis has put all of his, uh, eggs into Iowa. If he does badly there, he's out. But then even if you go to New Hampshire, it's, uh, Trump versus three others. Uh, and Trump has maybe 50% of the base on lock. Um, so you want the field to consolidate as quickly as possible to give someone like Nikki Haley a shot. Um, but time's not on her side. And uh, if history repeats itself, there'll be enough candidates staying in, in the, field long enough to make it hard to beat trump
1: a couple more quick questions for you andrew and we really appreciate your time if you had the opportunity to be in a room privately with joe biden and donald trump i'm curious what would you say to both of them i don't know if it would be a different message but what would be your criticisms and if you had the opportunity what would you say to them right now
8: i mean i'd say to joe biden joe you're uh, an american icon and hero for beating trump the first time Um, now we need you to be a statesman, not a politician and go out like George Washington, uh, and leave it to the next generation. Uh, and, and then you'd immediately go from being someone that aware, you know, nervous about, or, um, beating up in the press or whatnot to someone that everyone just gets behind and loves and you can cement your Mm -hmm. legacy this way. Um, Trump, uh, I mean, there's no use reasoning with that guy. Uh, you know, I, I would, uh, geez, what would I do? I, I like, I, I'd try and, uh. Give him some more fast food or whatnot, and like, uh, you know, like try and, like, uh, clog the arteries or, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's not let's not even talk Donald. Here's some here's some Big Macs.
1: But but you know it's interesting, Andrew, because when people say to me all the time, "Why do you keep bringing up Donald Trump? Why do you keep bringing up Donald Trump?" You know, how I'm bigging him up. He's he's still the face of the Republican Party. He's the overwhelming favorite, you know, to be running for president again against uh, Joe Biden and, and to be the winner in, in the Republican Party, right? I mean, we have to talk oh, dude, about Donald Trump. He's
8: the favorite in the general.
1: I mean, right. you know, like, right, <laughs> like,
8: right. Like, like, mathematically, he's a favorite in the general.
1: Right. So I mean, we have to. He's a threat to our democracy is he not andrew i mean he still he still says that he won the 2020 election and the right-wing maga as i call them buffoons out there still continue to with the lies you know the carrie lakes of the world who still says she won in arizona what do you make of these ultra maga republicans as joe biden would say
8: no um uh I think he is a threat to our democracy. I think we have to make sure he does not win again. I think he is the favorite to win again. So we have to do everything we can to change that, uh, whether it's boost Nikki Haley, boost Dean Phillips, boost anyone who's going to be a better nominee against Joe. Uh, there are tens of millions of Americans who fall into the, this Trump camp. And, and uh, I think the two-party system is guiding us to disaster because I was with an independent the other day. Um, and then she said, there is no way I could vote for Joe Biden. And then someone said, what if it's Trump or Biden? She was like, Trump. Um, that there are probably millions of Americans wow. who are making the same type of decision, uh, at least at this point. That's why we have to replace Biden with a better candidate and give them real choice. Agree. uh That two party system is going to guide us in- into unprecedented disaster. No, I, completely- I when I say unprecedented, I mean I do think a Trump second term would be orders of magnitude worse than his first.
1: I could not agree with you more, Andrew. With that being said, is there ever a chance? Do you say never say never? that you could run as a Democrat ever again? Or are you just completely done? And you're saying, listen, this is my new party. I started this thing. I'm going to, you know, continue with it no matter what happens. Or do you say, never say never, I could run as a Democrat down the road.
8: You know what's funny, bro? I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who run as Democrats who don't give a shit about the Democratic Party. of this, running as Democrats because they need to to win. Uh, you know, like uh, I, I'm more concerned with trying to, to fix the system. Right. I think... The ballot initiative in Nevada is crucial. Uh, if we make the system more uh resilient, uh, that would be something I'd be super pumped about mm-hmm. um, but I haven't shut uh, any door on anything uh, you know I mean I remember Bernie Sanders running uh, for the Democratic nomination as essentially a cart carrying independent um the 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 fact is everyone knows that if I were to win in office, I would essentially just like you know uh govern as an independent. Uh, take the party interest and say, like, look, guys, you know, you had a nice run, but uh, I, that's not what I'm about. Um, I, I don't think I could, frankly, pretend to be <laughs> a, a, a good National Democrat. Um, I, but when someone asks my my politics or policies, I just want good things for people. And the 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 toxicity of our current system is that you think, oh, you know, like the, one party or another has a monopoly on wanting good things for people. Uh, you know, uh, neither party right now is able to really solve our biggest problems. And I get that. Uh, but it,
1: oh, I get that. But you know why I'm asking this question, Andrew, because, you know, you're, you're pro-choice. You don't demonize, you know, illegals coming into this country like so many people on the right do. You're not a MAGA. You're not. You're far from a Trump supporter. And you lean to the left on plenty of social issues like I do. I'm still an independent, but When I think of your name, uh, I say to myself, reasonable guy, very intelligent, on the right side of history. But if I asked you, what are some of your values or policy, policy way of thinking that would lean to the right? What would that be? Because I don't know. Do you have policies that Democrats are 100 percent against you on that that those on the far right agree
8: with you with? Well, first, I would say the ideological left right spectrum, I think, is a setup. Uh, and we should try and get away from it as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, that said, the the things that came to mind for me when you said this are around uh, addressing homelessness, right. uh, public safety, education. There are some things that I believe uh, that probably strike folks as a little bit more uh, middle of the road or even somewhat. Uh, Center right, like I, I was endorsed by the police captains and the firefighters when I ran for mayor, and standing with those guys was something I was really proud of. You know, I mean, these these were guys who risked their lives and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, like uh, in, in my mind, like Char is like in any profession, are there people that are jerks and problematic? Yes, but you know, like generally speaking, it just took the average. Um, certainly the average firefighter. I mean, that's for damn sure. sure <laughs> I mean, no, 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 those guys yeah. are, um, uh, and, and the average cop, like I was on the street right. yesterday and I just started going up to some cops and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, thanking them and sure. they were appreciative and, and, and the rest of it. So th- there are things like that, that, um, you know, I, I would say I'm non-ideological and my, okay. my problem with a lot of what's going on on the left right now, even when I was running for president, I remember I started running on universal basic income day one mm-hmm. and then they were looking at it being like, Oh, and I thought the people on the left would be like, Oh, I'm going to be into this. And they weren't because it it, it wasn't like in their symbolic language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, I, I was called like a Trojan horse for something or other. Like I was called a white supremacist. I was called all sorts of weird shit from the left. And, uh, and, and I was looking at it being like, well, this is very odd. I thought you guys yeah. would be into this. Uh, and, and then there was an evolution where they were like, oh, maybe we actually are into fighting poverty. Like maybe, maybe that's a good idea. Yeah. So, th- so there's like an ideological strain over there that like I, I don't fit with. I, sure. I just want things to work, work better for people. Mm-hmm. And for some of those things, I think you need to get homeless people into better situations. I think you need cops and firefighters to be motivated. And, and, and sure. You know, it's like, so, so I, I don't know how that strikes you ideologically.
1: No, I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm with you on pretty much Your entire platform, except for maybe, I don't know about handing checks to everybody in this country. I don't know if, if that would, that would help the situation any. However, I, I am with you on, on again, most of the things that, that you are for. And you talk about homelessness. Of course I'm with you on, with you on that. And I think Gavin Newsom's going to be hammered on that in the state of California. And that's what would worry me if he runs for president of the United States. Last question for you, Andrew. Uh, for people out there that are listening and they want to learn more about your party. They want to learn more about the forward party. They don't know where to go. They feel like the Democratic Party has deserted them or the Republican Party has deserted them. They're not MAGA supporters. They're not liberals. What would you say to them and how do you get them? What would be your message to them to come to the forward party?
8: You know, parties are people, Brian. Um, so what I'd want them to do is I'd want them to go to forwardparty.com, uh, find their state. Sounds like it's probably going to be Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then just click on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Put it, put in your email address and then wait to see what happens. Uh, and what will probably happen is a pleasant person will email you and be like, Hey, what's up? Uh, you know, my name is Caesar. My name is, uh, Lessa. my name is, um, Sa- Sandra probably doesn't send emails like that, but <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, and then, uh, they, they might have an event in your neighborhood or they might talk about, uh, this ballot initiative or they might talk about some local candidate and just, uh, you know, see if you, jive with the people um i have a feeling you will because they're very very positive humans uh but that's where it starts just forwardparty.com click on your state
1: well you know i uh i i've always appreciated your perspectives uh i appreciate this i'm i'm really uh interested to see where this party goes and you're always welcome back anytime and uh you're a smart guy and i always like to pick your brain on a number of different issues that are uh facing this country and the world uh So, uh, Andrew Yang, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. And I wish you the best of luck and uh, hope to have you on again soon down the road. Thank you so much. Push
8: those limits, Brian. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Limits are for suckers.
1: (laughs) I hope I didn't push too many of your limits, but you answered all my questions. So I do appreciate that, Andrew.
8: (laughs) You know, my my team used to yell at me being like, stop answering their questions.
1: I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not Fox News. I'm also not M- also not MSNBC. By the way, I try to take both perspectives and then and then take it from there. And I always appreciate the fact that you're always willing to answer anything. Uh, Andrew Yang, thank you so much for your time. Have a great holiday. Have a great Christmas. You, you
8: too. And- Vote yes on question three again, Nevada. I'll you see know, you
1: soon. I might just do that. Thank you, Andrew Yang. Everybody, appreciate the time, sir. Thank you very much. Bye, All right, man. there you go. That's uh, Andrew Yang. Everybody, good guy. Uh, I like Andrew. Smart guy. Very well-spoken. I probably agree with him 95% of the time when it comes to his policy making and decisions. The thing I didn't agree with was, you know, handing out those blank checks to everybody. I don't know if that was the best way to go about it. But at the same time, I think he has a good heart, and he's coming from the right place. Do I think this forward party is going to work? Well, you know what? Time will tell. Time will tell. But I appreciate Andrew taking the time. He's a good guy. Um, and uh, hope to have him on again down the road. I uh, appreciated that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a lot of controversy in the NBA. We'll explain coming up next with the uh, NBA veteran, a 12-year NBA veteran and 20-year coach Paul McCaskey coming up next. Quick break. Pushing limits right here on KSHP.
9: to your health, Monday morning at 7 on KSHP North Las Vegas, AM and FM, hp North Las Vegas, and KSHP.com.
0: Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premium Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: Everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports you're traveling in a hurry they can get those passports to you within seven days or less mailbox rentals with a physical street address and they also receive your packages from amazon ups fedex usps and more here's the best part if you're a pushing the limits listener they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service you can't beat it give them a call 702-873-8005 check them out at 6130 west flamingo road it's the postal annex tell them i sent you
7: Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311.
6: Locally owned and operated, come on down to Academy of Hair Design located at 5191 West Charleston Boulevard number 150 today to begin your career in cosmetology there is something for everyone from cosmetology to nanotechnology. technology you will be able to have the hands on training that is needed to succeed in this career field call 702-878-1185 or visit www.ahdvegas.com today The London Bridge Resort
0: in Lake Havasu is the perfect place to vacation in style. Their beautifully designed suites include stunning views, a kitchenette, and free Wi-Fi. The well-reviewed and affordable resort has tons of amenities, including a breakfast buffet, kids camp, a nine-hole golf course, three pools, a marina, boat tours, a water slide, and a great nightlife scene. London Bridge Resort is centrally located in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Go to LondonBridgeResort.com to plan your getaway today. London Bridge Resort, your Arizona oasis destination.
9: Big Dogs Brewing Company Open 24-7 is an award-winning brewery A full-service catering business And a fun, smoke-free brew pub restaurant With a full-service bar Including over 35 craft beers on tap 35 multi-denomination slot machines, The best gaming promotion And a lively, dog-friendly outdoor patio Big Dogs Brewing Company 4543 North Ratchewit Cray Find out more at BigDogsBrews.com Big Dogs
0: the cat Vegas Boulevard at Windmill. Steiner's. I love this place.
9: Located only 4 miles from downtown Colorado Springs At just 10 miles from Pikes Peak Hyatt Place Colorado Springs Garden of the Gods Offers spacious rooms Featuring contemporary decor with stylish furnishings Including divided living and sleeping areas The Hyatt Grand Bed State-of-the-art media and work center A 42-inch flat panel high-definition television That easily integrates with laptops and other devices And complimentary breakfast is included in your stay Hyatt Place Colorado Springs Garden of the Gods At 503 West Garden of the Gods Road Visit HyattPlace.com.
0: Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premiere Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
1: All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits right here on KSHV. Thank you so much for joining us. That was fun talking to uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Appreciate his time. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home, i got to tell you right now, there's nothing better than to call my good friend Blake Wynn from the Keller Williams Group. Why? Well, first of all, his late great-grandfather Kenny Gwynn, one of the best governors we've ever had. Why do I bring that up? Because this family's lived in Vegas their entire life. Blake knows this city inside and out. They also helped my he also helped my family great information on uh, cuz the, as they were thinking of uh, buying a home here. You won't find a better person that's more qualified and a better dude. So please give my good friend Blake Win a call at 702-540-3311. Here's the best part. You give him a call, you're going to get $1000 cash back on a purchase. Again, that number 702-540-3311 give Blake Gwynn a call from the Keller Williams group and tell him I sent you. So normally the big fella, the 12 year NBA veteran and 20 year coach Paul McKeski, usually joins us on Thursdays, but he's joining us today on Wednesday and what a great day for him to join us because there is so much to talk about with him, including uh, Mark Cuban's sell of the Dallas Mavericks to uh, Miss Adelson. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about uh, the debacle, which was uh The Golden State game last night, the midseason NBA tournament. I want to start with some controversy. Before I do that, let me introduce the big fella, Mr. Paul
5: McKeskey. Mo, what's going on, my friend? What's up, man? It's uh, good to to be here on the hump day. Get over the hump. It Uh, is. I need to clarify something. Yes. That that you are a close and personal friend of mine. Are you declaring that
1: publicly (laughs) on on the radio? (laughs) I am a close personal friend of Paul McKeskey. All right, there we go. I just want to get that on record. Not Anthony Weiner, just to be clear on that. Did you hear that, Joey? Yes. Yeah. Joey, did you hear that? Is Joey listening? <laughs> I am a close... And last I checked, Paul McKeskey hasn't been arrested for any sexual misconduct. As far right? as you yeah. know. Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> so, yes, I am a good friend of Paul McKesky's. Uh I, I, I know Andrew Yang, but I, I don't think I would call him a friend, uh, at least not what yet. What an
5: interesting dude, though.
1: He is an interesting uh, yeah, guy. he's got some great thoughts. Smart. A smart guy. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I don't think yeah. his, his forward party's going to work, yeah. but it uh, doesn't mean, you know, I don't give him... You know, I mean, listen, I asked him... If you, if you had won as a Democrat, would you still be doing this party? He didn't really give me, I mean, he did kind of say, well, you know, I wrote my book as I was running. He'd still be a Democrat. Let's call it what it is. And maybe
5: it'll work, um, locally, more locally
1: first. It could. And I think that's his goal. And I think that's fine. I think what he's doing is honorable and, and we'll see. Love the
5: name though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Listen, I, I agree with Mr. Yang on. Just about everything. Right. I, the only thing I didn't agree with him on, and I think that hurt his presidency as a candidate, was he wanted to give blank checks to everybody. And I'm like, I love that. Yeah, I know. That sounds <laughs> good. Me,
5: what was it, like 1500? Yeah, like it that? sounds yeah, yeah. good on the tip yeah. of the tongue, but, yeah. but
1: I, don't think, I don't think it was a good
5: idea. You but, know what's interesting is I think he pretty much made it clear that he thought if Biden runs that Trump will win. Well, that very well might happen. I'm getting yeah, very that's, worried. How scary is yeah,
1: that? that is scary. Great. So we're gonna have to wait and see how how this plays out. But Ooh. he might be right. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mo, there's a lot to get to and a lot to talk about. I want to start by talking about my Boston Celtics. Uh, so the way that the midseason NBA tournament works is point differential. Uh, can make the difference. Now, this isn't anything new in other sports. I mean, we see it in college football. We see it in a lot of different sports where point differential, if the records are tied, uh, that has a lot to do with it. Well, so anyway. In, yeah.
5: the, in the Olympics and the World Games and basketball, too. It's, it's, it's worldwide that's what happens. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: I mentioned that because the Celtics, I believe they needed to win by at least 24 points last night. I Something think. like that. Yeah. Some, somewhere around there. And they're up around 20 points in the fourth quarter. And they're midway through the fourth quarter, and they're playing the Chicago Bulls. And the Bulls have a player who is a very good rebounder and very physical used and Andre Drummond. There, uh, he's old now, but he used to be a, a, a One really of the top real, rebounders in the league. Yep. Point, point being, he's still making tens of millions of dollars playing in the league. Yes. Always been a terrible free-throw shooter. His days for the UConn yeah. Huskies. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what do the Celtics do? They do what I would have done if I was the head coach. They intentionally follow him. They do the hack-a-shack. And which is uh, uh, within the rules. They didn't break any rules. Nope. And what did uh, Andre Drummond do? Well, he helped the Celtics because he made one out of six free throws because the guy can't shoot free throws. So there was a situation there where Donovan is talking with the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And they're trying to he's trying to explain to Donovan, you know, what he's doing and why he's doing it. And then after the game, surprisingly enough, I've never been a huge Donovan fan. Listen to what he had to say after the game.
3: No, I just, you know, Andre is, is a veteran guy and I, you know, tonight I, 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 I told him and I'm like, what, what, what are we doing here? You know, like I'm, I'm totally fine. Like I get it on keeping your guys in, wanting to get in. The league's made a big deal, but they also, in fairness to them, they got to deal with the rules too. You know, if they're trying to get into, you know, Vegas, there's things that they got to do, you know, and for me, it was just, the, the fouling and, and and Joe was great when I talked to him. I mean, he understood. And, you know, he didn't want to. He wasn't trying to do anything. But I also understand the situation he's in in terms of he's. They're trying to get to Vegas, so like it's just a tough situation, right? And I'm not gonna. I said this before. I'm not gonna. You know, necessarily he's got to coach his team and do what he feels right. You know, I just felt like okay, great, keep Tatum, keep keep bowling. I've never ever play all the way to the end. I'm like i I got no problem with the coach. You know, but I just thought it was putting Andre in a tough spot in a 30-point
1: game. It was putting Andre Drummond in a tough spot in a 30-point game. Well, Mo, I want to get your opinions on this, but let me just start off by saying this. How about you make free throws? You're a professional basketball player, okay? I'm not saying you have to be a 90% free throw shooter, but maybe 65 to 70, which is modest. If you're a 70% free throw shooter, guess what? Andre Drummond doesn't put himself and his team in that situation. I see nothing wrong with what the Boston Celtics did. They would have never done it unless it was the midseason NBA tournament. And for Donovan to have take issue, not necessarily with the Celtics, but the NBA, why don't you have your players work a little bit more at the free throw line? Shaquille O'Neal was never a good free throw shooter, but... He made his free throws when they counted. Drummond embarrassed himself because he can't make free throws. That's my take on this whole thing. Yeah,
5: you know, what's funny is <clears throat> I listened to that before I saw the ESPN this morning, and you're hearing the background people cheering, right? You know who that is? Who? That's the Celtics. Yeah, of course. Because they just found out they they got to the knockout rounds. Right? Anyway, so that's that was interesting. Um, and number and. Uh, Andre Drummond, uh, in his past has been one of the best rebounders in the league. Not a great score. That's okay. But he's been a terrible free throw shooter as low as 35%. <laughs> uh, but he's been hovering around 40 to 50. That's not the worst in the league, by the way. It's really bad though. Yeah, but it's bad. But now he's at 60% almost. Mm-hmm. But the point, the point is, uh, if you're the other coach and you feel bad for him, take him out of the game. I mean, just take him out of the game. Uh You know, and quite frankly, he was one for six. That's missing five free throws. So it wasn't a big, you know, thing in the game, but it did help uh if boston didn't win by that margin or close to that margin that they did they wouldn't have, orlando would have made the the uh uh knockout rounds and boston would be eliminated so that's how it's made i have i've coached in the world cup i've coached in the olympics and that's what pool play is all about and you r- remind your players you know, even early on, you play, even your first game, right? So your first game you're playing and you're up by 15 or 20. It doesn't matter. And yes, it does. Cause if you can win by five more points, that adds up in the pool play and qualifies you for the knockout rounds. If you want to get to Vegas. And, um, I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, people are, are getting upset about the point differential. It's part of the thing, but people are actually interested in the games in, uh, at the end of November. And, uh, you know, the Warriors game, they knew they had to win by 12. Uh That was part of the deal. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. But, you know, I've always thought that, you know, high school, college, pro, they don't work on free throws enough. And those are automatic points. And how many games are lost by missing two or three free throws? You know, you're talking about when I was with the Dallas Mavericks, we charted that. You're talking about, uh, you know, making two or three free throws more a game. That's five to seven wins. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. But, you know, they had a talk at half court. I've had that talk before. Have you really? Yes. Not about the point differential, but about, you know, keeping your starters in when you're kicking my butt by 30, you know. And, uh, you know, the the other coach was, well, you know, they they deserve to play and and get their averages, you know, what they were and all that stuff. And you understand that. And when they were talking, I was watching that. They looked, you know – was Donovan happy? No, but did he understand? Yeah, he understood. And that was fine. But then what you point out is after the game, he says this wasn't right to drum in. And it was, yeah, that's respectful. where I have an
1: issue. Yeah. That's so, where I, it, yeah. that's where I take issue. Mo, can I ask you this? In all your years of coaching, you coached for two, two decades. Did you ever have a hack a shack situation where you followed some of their worst free throw shooters on the other team?
5: I don't I can't remember as a coach, but I remember as a player. I mean Nobody intentionally followed you because you could no. shoot free throws. Yeah, I shot you know you low were a good, low seventies in the season. But that's shot really 80s. good for a big man. Yeah, that's yeah, really shot, good. And I shot eighties in the playoffs. But you also when, worked at it. Yeah, sure, absolutely, and you know it's not about how many shots you, how many free throws you practice after; it's how many you make and stuff like that. So, how do you explain this? Okay,
6: I
1: understand.
5: Let me me back up. So, the one situation that we really ran into is when uh, I was with the Milwaukee Bucks. Don Nelson was the coach, and we're playing the Washington Bullets. I, can I say that? Bullets? The bullets okay. are okay. Okay. Uh, and a lot uh, of bullets flying and, in Washington. And Manute Bowl was uh, on the team and he shot 38%, I think. So at the end of one game, he had, now had me foul, uh, Manute, uh, at the end of the game where I'd be at half court and, you know, I'd grab his, his waist and lift him up maybe or just tap him. He knew he didn't, you know, and he made seven out of eight free throws. To help win that game, and the funny part is, he was looking at Nelly, going, "No, no, no, Nelly, you can't foul me." <laughs> is that what he said? <laughs> Absolutely, I love that. And I, I had to bite my tongue not to not to laugh. That's but, hilarious, you know. So he. He stepped up and made his free throws when he came. I love that story. That's so <laughs> cool.
1: Manute was a good shooter, um, and he could shoot the three for a big man. Really funky-looking shot. But it was it a weird in. shot. The mm-hmm. grasshopper, they called him, but he had that weird shot, but he had very good eye-hand coordination, yeah. uh, especially for a big man. Both He's of you did. Probably about seven-seven. Both of I mean, you guys could shoot the ball. Boy, that would have been fun seeing you guys play a game of horse back in the day.
5: Back when I was with the Bucks, <laughs> back then, we we would have shooting contests with the guards against the, the bigs, and you know it was me. Kerstoviak, Jack Sigma, Randy Brewer could shoot. Mm-hmm. We would beat the guards consistently on three-point shooting, you know, because they're only spotters. You up,
1: could knock but. it down. I do have some career stats for you Uh-oh. if you're unaware. How do you not know this? Let me ask you this. What I'm not going to show. What is your career free throw shooting average in the NBA? <laughs> Probably 65 something like that. God, you undersell yourself, man. What is it? It's on a very good number that Evan Stone, who was our porn
5: guest yesterday, would appreciate. Oh, so I think you know the number. 69. I'm yes.
1: 69. <laughs>
5: 69. That's why I could have made five more free throws at the end of my career, but I missed them on purpose. You had a very round number. Yeah. There you go. You took
1: 800 free throws in your career and you made 555 of them. 69.4% for a big man in the NBA. That look, is well can above you look average. Up
5: my, my uh, playoff stats. Oh, I bet you it's higher. I, I think. I it's bet a you you made high. more. Oh, I, I yeah. I think it's at least seventy five. I, I bet
1: you you made a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about that. Are you but, looking it up right now? Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. And I mean that, you know, part of it is you focus a little bit more. And I mean, you know, I w- I was an okay free throw shooter, but I know I won a game in your Boston Garden making two free throws with no time left. I won a game, and I put a playoff game against the Celtics at the Mecca in overtime by making two free throws with four seconds left. So. You it, were clutch. When it was time to make them, you you know, were clutch. I, I could make them.
1: And Shaq did too, to his credit. He mm-hmm. did as
5: well in big time
1: playoff games. So, yeah. yeah. You were
3: 74.2% in you the go. playoffs. There you go. That's
1: really good. Yeah. You so were
3: 72, 72 for 97.
1: Mm-hmm. That's amazing because most of the time you played the five, right? You played a little four. I played right? four towards the end, but mostly right. five. Yeah. yeah. For a five in the NBA to shoot 75% and making three out of four free throws in postseason is is unbelievable that's but really good
3: he was only
5: 25% from the three point line
3: well you know
5: that <laughs> happens that, that's what i did inflate in my mind
3: <laughs> but you only took you only, you only made one you, you you made four
5: yeah right. but in regular season I think one season I took 29, maybe. can't remember. We'll look that up. Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, anyway, I think we agree on this issue. I think Donovan is wrong. Uh, what on- he said afterwards. What he 26. Said- what he said afterwards was wrong. Um, I didn't like his comments in the press conference. You make a very good point. You could just take him out. Just take him out of the
5: game. The game is over. You're not coming back. Yeah. You're down, what, 25 and, points? And he's not thinking – He's averaging, uh, I think, six points and five rebounds a game yeah. now. He's, he's at the end. Of, I mean, back when he was averaging 15 boards a game, yes. maybe, you know, and Shaq was obviously important at the end of the game, so you had to leave him in. Sure. Uh, but at this point, just take him out of the game. Now. So yesterday,
1: I agree. So yesterday, the Golden State Warriors are on the road playing the Sacramento Kings for the most part they're in control of that basketball game uh they're scoring in the 30s every quarter and then the fourth quarter comes around and i do not like the way the golden state warriors have played over the course of the last few months lazy basketball like we said uh, off the air i don't like the way step is playing and uh i can tell you right now thompson has checked out he's just checked out so and draymond green has just uh you know been draymond green but with that being said you're up five points against the Sacramento Kings. They weren't going to make the this midseason tournament anyway because my understanding is they had to win by 12. Yes. And they were never winning by 12
5: in this game. Ooh, it was a, I, I Well,
1: won. they were up by 20 early. I They're shouldn't say that. They were up by
5: 25. I shouldn't say 20, that. But you're, you're absolutely right. And at the end of the game, because yeah. I'm a coach and I'm watching and I'm kind of yelling at the TV and Linda's getting mad at me <laughs> because at some point... They were down by five with about two and a half minutes left, or six, and then uh, Looney missed two free throws, which would have put them up by seven. And then they stopped; they made a defensive stop and came down and missed a three, which would have put them up by ten with a minute and a half left. And they still got a chance to win by two. Mm. But when they did that, at that point, you're not going to make that. You're not going to win by twelve. So you just got to win the game. And you know, people. I saw on Facebook and I made a comment about that. Uh, but people were like, well, they should have just stopped trying to win by 12. They weren't trying to win by 12 at the end. They were playing an, uh, hungry, younger, defensive pressuring team that forced them into two silly turnovers and a couple missed shots. It wasn't, it wasn't because they're quickly trying to make shots. It was because they're getting pressed and they were doing something. You'll love this. <coughs> Early in the game, and again, I'm talking to the TV, and Linda's like, who are you talking to? (laughs) Linda being your wife. I'm like, they're doing what Don Nelson did all the time. Yeah. And he would like, if we're playing... Uh, Atlanta with Dominique Wilkins or, uh, some teams with like one, maybe two play, three stars, you know, not the Celtics because everybody could play, uh, or the Lakers, everybody could play, but some of those teams, uh, and he would make a, um, it, it's not a snapping sign, but whatever. And that would mean that whoever is guarding like their non player, like it was a lot of time it was me. If I'm guarding Manute or somebody, you go trap the ball whenever you want and you go trap the ball and the guy that's open is the guy that's not used to making plays. Right. So they catch, and you watch the game, they threw it to Looney or whoever, uh, uh Sarich, in the middle of the floor, and they have the ball, and they're not used to making plays because they double-teamed and got it out of Curry's hand. Right. And then, you know, he would turn the ball over and not make smart plays. Sometimes maybe make a three, sometimes turn over. But that's a strategy that Nelly used a lot back then. <clears throat> maybe it's a... Uh, it's a, a blueprint to how to beat the Warriors if you want to. Well, you know, I was talking to some people at the
1: UNLV game last night. We'll get to that. but uh, And they were talking about how they don't understand this midseason tournament. They don't understand how it works. Uh, they don't like the regular season product. Uh, listen, I understand why a lot of people out there don't like the NBA regular season product. However, I think this is a good thing for the NBA, this midseason tournament. Why? Um First of all, players are playing harder. I don't care what anybody says. You look at this time last year, players were not playing as hard as they're playing now. You hear the Celtics cheering in the background. Mm. You know, um, I'm going to tell you right now that I believe that the Final Four in Las mm. Vegas, which is, gosh, coming up next week, I'm so excited for it. You'll be at mm. it, I'll be there. It's going to have the feeling of a playoff game. Absolutely. And it's going to be good for mm. the NBA. It's great that it's in Vegas for us locals. And listen, a million dollars is a million dollars. For your starters and most of these guys, that's not a lot of money. But for your 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the bench and the coach, that's a lot of money, right? So they're going to be playing hard. Everybody's going to be watching these games. It's going to be fun. Players, uh, you know, and, and, and let's hope, this is good for the league. Forget about my Celtics, but if you have the Lakers and the Celtics in there, it's Great for the league. Mm. This is going to be fun. And
5: it could uh, be the Bucks too. Right? It could be the it Bucks. Could, it could be a pre, uh, prequel of what can happen
1: at the end of the that season. That was what I was just going to say, Mo. This is a kind of a, uh, a preview of what we could see in the NBA Eastern and Western Conference Finals. All right, so what I want you to do, Mo, because you get this a lot better than I do, can you explain to the listeners exactly how this works and how we get down to the Final Four? How does this work?
5: Well, uh, first of all, like on your comment about players playing hard yeah. and last year, Tuesday night, uh, uh, Sacramento's playing Golden State. Who cares? Right. Nobody cares. Right. Now they it would have been on ESPN, you know, they blew a 25 point lead, blah, blah, blah. That would have been a little. Now everybody's talking about it. Right. So that's exactly what Adam Silver wanted. Uh, and for basketball fans, uh, in the United States, wake up. This is how the rest of the world plays. This is how the Olympics are done. This is how the World Cup is done. So, um, you know, the pool play, uh, there's six pools. Um, and, uh, uh, the winners of each pool will move on to the knockout round, one round. That's kind of like the Elite Eight mm-hmm. in college, right? And then two wild cards, which is what a lot of the teams were playing for in the point differential. And, uh, uh, you know, so if you win your pool, you move on. Then there's a knockout round, and right now in the knockout round, um, uh, the Bucks are playing the Knicks. That's a good game. Yep, uh, Indy. I think pl- the
1: Bucks win that game. What do you I, think?
5: I think so. Yeah, uh, I hope so because Indy's playing the Boston. I think Boston wins that. Everybody wants Boston, New York. Let's now you're last. looking at a semifinal game here in yep. Las Vegas: Celts versus Bucks or Knicks. That would also be a great game. Yeah, but no, you,
1: th- you don't. You think the Pacers can get them? Pacers are good. Sure.
5: Pacers, Knicks. But this game is
1: on the road, right? Boston's on the road.
5: Yeah. yeah,
1: Okay. Uh, The Knicks are uh, on the road as well because they're Mm. the four seed, right? So you've got the top seed in the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. They're playing the Knicks at home and that game is December 4th, I believe. And then Mm -hmm. you have the Pacers and the Celtics just doing the East right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Pacers are going to be home. Now that's a big deal because Boston has a huge home court advantage. Yeah.
5: So what are your predictions there? Well, I, I think if it I like the Knicks team but they're just not deep enough and I watched the Bucks play the other night and they're playing a little better and Middleton was healthy and had like 27 um and da- uh, Dame is starting to feel his oats so I got the Bucks winning that and then uh, uh I still have uh Celtics me too. Are probably the best team in the league uh, all you're around. Finally admitting that? Yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that. Didn't I Let's... say that two months
1: ago? Yeah, and you, you were looking at me like I was yeah.
5: crazy. But I just I'm <laughs> jealous because I want to go to the Bucks uh, Boston game here. Well, yeah. I'm telling you what I'm going to do for you Uh-oh. because I, because you're such a close
1: fr- a friend. Um, <laughs> even though I would like to see the Celtics and the Knicks because it's a great rivalry, I do think the Milwaukee Bucks are a better basketball team than the Knicks. I think having the Milwaukee Bucks and the Celtics in the semifinal game here in Vegas would be wonderful. And I think it is a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to root for your Bucks. Um, <laughs> for one my, game. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you right now, if it's Indiana, Milwaukee, not to say that that would be a bad basketball game, but I'd be very pissed off. I want the mm-hmm. Celtics to come to Vegas. So and you
5: I, could tell by the other night they want to be here. They want to be here. And
1: that means something in the NBA. You know, another team that wants to be here. Let's talk a little bit about the Western Conference. Um, the Lakers, the Lake Show. Are the number one seed in this tournament? They are undefeated, and I believe they're playing at home against a pretty good Phoenix Suns team that could be dangerous. What do you think about this game?
5: Well, I think the Lakers, like it's Lebron's been around for eight hundred years, and this is something <laughs> something he's never done, right? Right. Preseason tournament, win a preseason trophy, right. get MVP of the preseason, yeah. a tournament trophy. Yeah. So I think they have a drive there, and they're playing a little better. Uh but the bottom line is uh Phoenix is probably an overall better team if they're healthy, but I think Booker and both Booker and Beal have been hurt. So, you know, I can see the Lakers winning that at home, you know, and then the next game is Is Booker gonna be playing? I don't know. Who knows? I mean Who was the other player that you said was hurt? Uh Beal is how how badly hurt is he He hasn't played in 10 games I All right. don't Lakers think are gonna I win think that he's game. only played 3 games Lakers are game. going to win that game and and They're also at home And I don't think they're going to uh, risk him playing uh you know throw him in there uh this early if if he's not 100% he won't play so, Booker so, might cuz Booker's a dog he's got some dog in him he wants to win Oh
1: he does but you know that LeBron wants to play in Vegas he loves it Oh absolutely yeah. He
5: wants to be here
1: All yeah. right tell me about the other game in the Western Conference
5: Well it's um who is it? It's... Uh, the Kings. Oh, the Sacramento Kings.
1: And they are playing uh, the number three seed, which I believe... Who is the... Uh, the Pelicans, correct? Yeah, yeah. So So, uh, the Kings are, are going to be playing this game at home. I like the, their fight yet last night against the Warriors. Their crowd is crazy. Yeah.
5: Even when they weren't very good, it was crazy. It was loud yeah. in there. Yeah. Was it
1: loud when you were... Yeah, oh yeah. ...playing against them? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: And especially... You know when uh, we played in their smaller arena, but even when I was coaching with the Mavericks, we played the we played Sacramento in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. it was just loud, loud in there. And the Kings it, are going to be home in this game against the Pelicans. That helps, I like I like helps the, them a lot. Yeah, so yeah. you think
1: the Kings advance here? Yes. Yeah. So so our final four, and I'm very nervous about the Boston Celtics game. I'm very nervous really? about really because they're on the road against a very good Indiana Pacers team. Yeah. I do think the Celtics win, but boy, I could see Indiana winning. Uh, Lakers-Kings, which would also be a fantastic game yeah. against a very good young Kings team against an older, very talented Lakers yep. team. Yep. That's a really good basketball game yeah. against, let's hope... The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. You can't really ask for anything better uh, than that, right? And I mean, I I mean, if the Denver Nuggets were in there, I'd like to see Denver in there. But they they were
5: bad. They they were
1: were bad. But I would love to see Denver like replace the, you know, uh, a team like the Pelicans. You know, Uh, I'd love to see the Lakers, Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Final Four game here. Hmm. But if it's Lakers, Kings. Bucks, Celtics, I don't think you can complain about that.
5: And I think that game's already sold out. I think those are already almost sold out. And you know what that's telling? That's saying the NBA, like I've said for years, in two or three years there's going to be an NBA team here. Mm -hmm. And that's that's pretty much saying, you know, that's another. So uh, we have a G G League team. You know, we have the Aces, and they've done great and drawn great. That's their steps. And now you can sell out a tournament like this now you have okay, we need an NBA team there, ASAP.
1: Yeah, so this is gonna be a lot of fun. I think we all agree on our picks here. Uh I do I will be rooting for your bucks, by the way, and uh we'll have to wait and see how this happens, but yeah. we will be there next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll be going to the practices and I can't wait. This is a nice preview of what mm-hmm. it'll be like to have an NBA team here, but this is even better. I mean, this yeah. is this is so cool and I, I praise the NBA and all you haters out there that think this, this tournament sucks, you're wrong. This is great mm-hmm. for basketball and it's great for the NBA. With, get
5: over the point differential. That's part of yeah, the deal. Yeah, it's
1: nonsense. All right, let's talk about uh, a local flavor to the sell of the Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban selling most of the shares of his team um, to Mrs. Adelson, of course, the late Sheldon Adelson. Uh, I'm not going to say the late great because I wasn't a personal fan of Sheldon Adelson. I wasn't a personal fan of some of the things he said in his politics. But with that being said, that's not about that. She is one of the richest ladies on the planet, and uh, she put up $2 billion. Mark Cuban still makes basketball decisions. What are your thoughts on this? There's a lot of conspiracy theories. I know why this happened. I think you know why this happened. It's because they're building a big casino in in Texas where sports betting is going to be legalized and it's going to be a money maker. And Adelson's going to be a big part of that. I think that's why they did it. And I don't think it has anything to do with the possibility of moving the team to Vegas.
5: No, I don't think, uh, I don't think the NBA will let a team move anymore. Um, I think they can add teams. I think they're going to add in the next two or three years. The TV contract is up in two years in 2025 and they have to renew it. And they're going to add Seattle and Vegas and move Mm -hmm. Minnesota to the east where they should be. You
1: think Seattle deserves another team? Sure. Yeah,
5: I, I think so. You but, had your days in playing uh, there. What were the crowds uh, like? There? It was great. Yeah, it was great. They had good teams too. What did you oh.
1: play against? You played against Ray Allen.
5: No, no, no. Uh, Detlef Uh Yeah, uh, but it was uh, um, Jack Slickmo was there. Um,
1: Who was coaching those teams? It wasn't George Carl.
5: No, it was Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. Okay, yeah, and he yeah. coached
1: you too, didn't he? Yeah,
5: in Cleveland yeah. for right. a year. Yeah. So, but, what was it
1: like playing there in Seattle?
5: I mean it was great, great fans. Um, you know. The bad thing is we played in their big football uh stadium. Oh. You no, know, that wasn't closed, so I hated that. We did that in Detroit, we did it at that there. Yeah. And actually in this when playing the Spurs sometimes we did it in the Alamo Dome too, so that wasn't good, but their fans have always been good. And then they moved to Key Arena mm-hmm. which was really smaller. It's kinda like Sacramento mm-hmm. and that's what their fan base was. Are they like. gonna be the Seattle Supersonics again? I don't know who has that name. I don't know what I like that name, uh, it's a great yeah. name. So but, Gary Gary
1: Payton said he, he he they offered to retire his jersey years back and he said he only wanted it retired in Seattle when
5: they get a team back sure. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh so that'll be fun. Yeah. But um, I don't like we said i they're not going to move a team, they're going to add teams because it's financial. So people that are out there that don't understand like the uh the Dallas Mavericks are worth about 3.4 billion. Uh here's the other thing, Mark Cuban is selling probably 40% 2 billion of it. He's still going to own one. Isn't it incredible that he sold, he he bought the team for $285 million and now he's, he's, it's at three and a half billion. I mean, the guy. Yeah, he's owned it for 23 years or 20 years. That's how you make money. Yeah, that's how everybody makes money. Uh, I mean, that's how you do it in the NBA because the NBA knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, but if you move a team, uh, you know, that three point or four, billion whatever you get for a franchise you know that split up a lot of it with between all the other owners right. if you move a team it's like um uh, 500 million or something like that so it's not even close so they're not that's why they're not gonna do that but you know mark cuban uh i told someone today you know i've been around a long time and i, I worked for him with the mavericks for five years he's one of the smartest people i've ever met um he knows what he's doing he knows how to make money he knows how to grow money uh one example of that is i went to his uh uh his wedding uh reception and it was just huge with uh uh hager was the uh was the group that's saying yeah uh and uh, he had his two other partners they started their company um it was called uh it was called Audionet back in the day they started doing live streaming of sporting events for colleges that's how they started yeah, really? uh, yeah. And then they they sold it and it became broadcast.com and then Yahoo bought it and it became Yahoo dot com, which as we know, I think they sold it for almost six billion dollars, I think. Uh so they each got um uh two billion, right? And uh when I went to the reception and his other people, his partners were his best men or whatever, and they talked and celebrated and I looked them up. A uh, market turned that two billion into five billion, and those other guys are still around a billion and a half. So they just lived on their money. Mark knows how to make money. Uh, and if, there, uh, if there's anything Mark Cuban knows how to do, it's, it's he knows how to make money. That's for right. sure. And, and he he was a big fan when I was there. He he didn't really know a lot about basketball. He was around the team a lot but he grew and he let basketball people do it. We lost the finals uh, to the Miami heat. But then a few years later, he won the championship in Dallas, which was kind of his goal. And I think he's done that. And if you could sell and make, you know, he's going to make a couple billion or whatever and add it to his 6 billion that he's worth now. And, You know, uh, uh, live his life. But, uh, you know, that's how you make money in the NBA. Oh, no doubt. And he's uh, very successful at doing that. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Let's switch topics a little bit,
1: Mo. Um, We've gone through the NBA midseason tournament. We talked about the sale of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, From a coaching standpoint, I want to get your thoughts on UNLV because I'm at the game last night. Kevin Kruger's a good guy. You know, of course, his father, Lon Kruger, legendary coach. Uh, They're playing a. Akron team that uh, some are like, oh, they're they're a pretty good team. No, they're not. They're not a very good basketball team. I watched them play last night up close and personal. They're not very good. Uh, UNLV is up double digits. They played hard yesterday. And for most of the game, for 37 minutes of the game, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, do, I, do, do I think that my, I guess you could call it, um, my prediction is wrong? No. Uh, they're an average team in the Mountain West Conference. They'll be fifth or sixth in the conference, I think. But they're up 10 points, Mo, with two minutes to go. And they turn the ball over, they miss shots, they miss defensive assignments, and all of a sudden it's a two-point game with 40 seconds to go. They were up double digits with two minutes to go. Um, I can't say a part of that is inexperience. This is a senior-laid team. A bunch of juniors and seniors on this team, so you can't say it's inexperience. These guys have been in these situations before, and I like Kevin Kruger. Again, I think he's a good guy. I root for him. I want him to win. I don't think he's a very good head coach. It's not personal. I like the guy. But you can't allow that to happen. Akron had a chance to make a three with a few seconds to go to steal the basketball game. They should have never allowed them to be in that situation. I think a lot of this is coaching.
5: Some of it is coaching. Some of it is players not performing. I mean, you could drop the best play and the player misses a shot. You can't help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they did make a three uh, at the end to, to win by five, right? So that's No, the they po- won by two. Oh uh, Well, they made a th- big three, I thought. I thought They I did. Saw, yeah, they but, did. But, but, I mean, you know, you, you never know. And you know what? Those guys are kids. I mean, my Kansas team, who was ranked number one in their top five team, they beat uh, Northern Iowa or some, Illinois by nine points. You know, so it happens, and, and especially in college because they're young players and sometimes it's, but coaching's, you know, I've been, I've been in the business for 20 years. You're hired to be fired. That's what, it, you know, that's it. So hopefully you got a nice contract and you can move on. But, uh, you know, if uh, how, what year is this for him? This is his third year. Yeah. And uh, I don't, his records have been very mediocre, right? Well, that's
1: my question to you. Do you think I'm being too hard on him? I mean, this is year three.
5: No, I mean, you should, you should have your system in place. You should have players in place, assistant coaches in place, and you should be starting to roll. Everybody in college coaching knows if you get a job and you're not performing at a high level in three years, you're going to get fired. That's just the business. So do you
1: agree with me that? Well, let me ask you this. Because I've already given my definition of what a successful season would be. What is a third year? What's a successful season for Kevin Kruger?
5: I would say finish top two or three in your conference, uh, have a chance to win the conference championship and go to the NCA. If not, go to the NIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm gonna be like college basketball. People understand you can you can uh, schedule wins. It's easy. It's easy. You have like twelve or thirteen non-conference games. Schedule winners. You can, most coaches like at USC, wherever, and I've been at Stony Brook, I've been at USC, you schedule where you're going to have eight to 10 wins in the preseason. So you schedule these these uh, other teams and you're going to win by 15 or 20 or whatever. And then you're going to, you want to put in in those games, one or two really tests to see where you're at, but you're going to go into the conference with 10 wins. Right. So all you got to do in the conference is to get. Eight to ten more wins to get no, twenty I, wins. I
1: think I think your explanation of what a successful season is is almost identical to what I have said. What I have said was compete for a conference championship. Doesn't mean you have to win. Mm-hmm. Second, third. Gosh, even fourth. If you're right there sure. tied for third, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Give yourself an opportunity to win the conference win championship. Win a couple
5: of rounds in a ch- championship. You can't be conference. in the
1: playing game. You got to win your quarterfinal game and be competitive in the semifinal game. Good and, so and far. And then
5: go to the NIT if you can't go At to the
1: NIT. worst case scenario, yes. Get an NIT invite. If he's not able to do that, it's time right. to make another decision. And Eric Harper is the guy that's already proven to us, the athletic director, that he, he's not afraid to do that. This is not his hire. Mm-hmm. Let me, again, I'm rooting for Kevin Krueger. I want him to succeed. I'm just not sure from what I've seen in two years and some change that he's the right guy for this job.
5: So in my scenario, right, that loss to that whatever team Southern. they Southern.
1: By the way, they're 1-6 and six now. They lost by like 30 to Marquette yesterday. Yeah, so Marquette's number three in the country, but that, still.
5: That game, it's a bad game could come and bite you back in the butt. Yes. Because I don't know how many teams are in the Mountain West. I, uh, well, let's go through it, huh? Yeah. Utah State, New Mexico. San Diego State,
1: Colorado State, San Jose State, UNLV, Air Force, Fresno State. Am I missing any teams? Uh, Nevada, Reno. That's nine. That's
5: nine. Um, uh, I think I got them all. So that, that's 18 league games, right? I, yeah. I think Eight, I got them all. So that's 18 league games. There's nine. No, that's, uh, 16 because it's you two. 16 Did league games. Did I get games. it
1: right? Did I get something right in my life? I said nine. <laughs> nine, right?
5: I'm seeing 11. 11? Oh.
1: Who am I missing?
3: San Diego State, Boise State, Utah Boise, State. I forgot Boise. Utah State, Nevada, San Jose State, New Mexico, UNLV, Colorado State, Fresno State, Air Force, and Wyoming.
1: I forgot Wyoming. And, yeah, you're right. So, I forgot so, Wyoming, and yeah, I forgot so Boise.
5: Take, so that's 20. By the way, let's not forget about Boise. They're the second best team in the league. So that's 20 league games. 20, right? right? And you played, uh, I bet, I don't know, what's our record now? They're 500 now, aren't they? So five and five or? Three and three or something. I think they're yeah. three and three. So you usually play 10 preseason games. That's 30 games, right? Yeah. So if it, you need to win like eight of those preseason. You're at eight. Then if you win 10, half of your league games, you're at 18. If you win a little more than half, you're at 20 wins. You're NIT for sure. And that's what you have that's to think. That Southern loss is really bad. That's going to bite it. Yeah. If they go into, if you know, they don't even if they go the semis and the tournament and do that and they don't make the NCAA and the, uh NIT uh, thing is looking at you, you're in UNLV, you have 18 or 19 wins. You don't draw good at home anyway. You're not going to get that bid.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you. I think we both agree on, on what Kevin needs to do this year. I just, uh, wasn't very impressed with the uh, performance yesterday. Uh, particularly the last couple minutes, I thought that was abysmal. Uh, I know they don't play at the Thomas and Mac for another three weeks or so. Uh, they know they play a game. Um, Are they going to a tournament or something or something? Uh, no, I know. I, I know that uh, they oh. play a game. Is it in Henderson? I think they play a game out there. I oh, think so. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea. Actually, yeah, that's play, a great
5: gym. Arena. The, the
1: crowds have been really bad. So, uh, well, let's hope there's a good crowd for the UNLV game against uh, Boise State. The championship game is here on Saturday. So, uh, congratulations to Coach Odom for the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year. He should probably be a candidate for national yeah. coach. Of the so, year.
5: so Washington is playing them, no, is it? No, Washington's playing in the in the Pac-12 game here, right? Yeah. And and uh, Washington University, there's a Legends sponsored uh, college tournament at MGM Grand. Gonzaga's and, uh, in town this weekend. Yeah, and Washington, U Dub,
1: Gonzaga, USC. Uh, I actually have tickets to that, so yeah. uh, I don't know if they will be able to go. So maybe I'll just give
5: them to you. But uh, I do have a few tickets to yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. So it's a leg- uh, retired player association sponsored. So yeah. I'll be there for sure. There's, oh, nice. There's get- a cocktail party. And, and,
1: oh, you're gonna have some fun. All right. That's right. Uh, non alcoholic duels. Okay. That's right. Uh, old a lot stories, of college- old lives. I love it. A lot of college football. <laughs> a lot of college basketball to watch. Always appreciate it, Mo, when you're here. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, and Andrew Yang as well. I'm so, so mo- glad you're a close personal friend. I'm me. a close personal friend, That's, yes. That makes me happy. <laughs> it makes my week. Another close personal friend, uh, one of the biggest Democrat donors on the planet, Jay Bloom, will be joining us in studio tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day.